Welcome to the Intercut Podcast, the weekly show going over the TV, movies, and entertainment that people can't cut away from. I am your co-host, Zachary Shevich, and joining me, he happens to have three large bottles of Tickler's White Barbecue. It's Arturo Zarita. 100% over here, just driving out of Nashville. It doesn't matter, even if we're on the road, we do the intercut. What did we decide, the intercuties or the intercutters? It, it was tied last I checked in the comments, so we're going to need a little bit more uh, input from the intercuties, intercutters. Or intercutters, yeah. Like once, I like how one's super depressing, intercutters, right. <laughs> right? And they're like, we're all for that. And other people are like, nah, intercuties, which is the complete opposite. But either way, uh, hey, look at Zachby's. Uh, I, I'm on my way to Florida at this point, leaving Nashville. Had some great food, a bunch of other stuff. Uh, and of course, you know, I brought the set with me. <laughs> you know, we keep it mobile, got everything there. Got Perry right there, uh, just recording, because of course we want to keep that consistency for you guys. But even though I'm on the road, I'm still far away from Zach. And we got probably the farthest guest. Well, actually, no, we had Bailey. Bailey was from Australia. That's pretty far. But uh, the complete opposite coast. We got my boy. Far. Yeah, domestically far, Ryan. Ryan, say hi. What's up, guys? Uh, am I considered domestically far if I'm like on the west coast? I mean, what? relatively yeah, that's speaking, the We've had a bunch of like east coast guests and Chicago guests, but I think you're our first west coast guest. Yeah. Awesome, sweet. All the all the way from California. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Thanks for having me on here, guys. It's super awesome being on. Yeah, uh, we're really happy to have you here. Ryan's been a YouTube friend of ours for a long while, long so it's OG. Good, it's good to bring him onto the intercut. In a little bit, we'll be talking about Bond 25's director drama, as well as the Russo brothers venturing outside of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. But first, we start the podcast the way we start every week here on the intercut with what we are watching. And I gotta know, Art, what you've been watching? Absolutely nothing because I was preparing for this road trip to Florida. But uh, this is like probably the only thing, if that counts, uh, that that Jake and Logan Paul fight, which yeah, uh, I made a video it, on it. I, I steered clear of all news about it. Bruh. Ryan, did you watch it? Uh, of course I didn't watch it, man. It's, it's a YouTube <laughs> boxing match. Bro, I caught it on Facebook. <laughs> like, if people were trying to watch it on uh, on YouTube, it's like, of course it's not going to last on YouTube. Go to Facebook. It was streaming in, H in HD. Like, nothing. I know some Twitch streamers sacrificed their channels for that uh, just to stream the fight because nobody wanted to pay for it. But everybody wanted to see them get punched in the face. And, uh, yo, they did. Like, I know that they're not the best YouTubers uh, content-wise, quality-wise, but, yo, they were knocking each other out. Uh, big cop-out with it being a draw. And, uh, yeah, that was, like, the only thing I caught because other than that, uh, I, I missed the Happy Times murders because uh, I, had a, I had a pack for the trip. <laughs> so literally the last thing that I ventured off before my road trip to watch was the cinematic fight of the decade, Logan Paul versus KSI. And it just ended up being a draw. Worth your time? Worth your while? But I'm not going to lie. Yeah, they were punching each other like crazy. I thought that was good. <laughs> it was worth that click on Facebook? Yeah. Yeah, it was worth the click. <laughs> All right, cool. So Art is uh, watching, I don't know, Route 1? <laughs> the Road. <laughs> Route 86, something? Yeah, something like that. Uh, Ryan, how about you? What you been watching? Um, I actually just recently caught the uh, 2001 A Space Odyssey uh, re-release on IMAX. Yo. Oh, sweet. On the big screen. Yes. Yeah, the absolutely. big, big screen, IMAX. And, and, and here's the crazy part. Um, this is my first time ever watching it from beginning to end. Nice. Were you on acid? <laughs> no, uh, I just, uh, how it worked, 
here's the situation. Just just so you so everybody at, at the who's listening knows that like I'm I'm not hating this on this film whatsoever. I just got off of work, right? I was lifting <laughs> heavy Baker. stuff, having uh, lifting heavy stuff all day. So my body is like physically tired. So I was like, you know what? I have the day off tomorrow, so I I have like time to rest up. So I'm just gonna go and check out 2001: Space Odyssey because I've never seen the movie from beginning to end. And, and in um, theaters, IMAX. Yeah, I was I was like, what what better way for for me to to first experience this uh this classic because everybody knows 2001: The Space Odyssey. Uh, I was like dozing off like the first 15 20 <laughs> minutes. I was like, oh my goodness, uh, just five minutes of black screen just playing classical music. I was I was looking around. I was like, is this supposed to be the movie? Is the screen broken? <laughs> And uh, there's only like five other people inside uh, the theater, so they're just watch- they're sitting down watching the movie. So I assume that they've seen the movie already, but right. I was the only one looking around. Uh, is this supposed to be it? And then, um, no, it was it was really good. From you got into from, the pace eventually. Yeah, I I, I eventually uh, adjusted to the pace, and I, it was it was a very easy movie to follow. But mm-hmm. um, just what the movie had to say was was very important, and I I, I totally get why it's a classic in the first place. Um, what blew my mind, uh, especially was the cinematography, mm-hmm. um, how they're able to like include like certain shots, how like one guy is sitting, uh, and like a, uh, in part of the ship and one guy's going down the ladder this way blew yeah. my mind. I was like, they did that in the sixties. <laughs> uh, but, uh, and, uh, I, I kind of got the ending, uh, in a sense, because I hear, I hear people talking about the ending all the time. So I went into this movie knowing how it ends and, you know, what Stanley Kubrick had to say about, right. um, what he was trying to say within his film. But, um, I was, I, 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 I'm glad that I was able to listen to that beforehand yeah. <laughs> before, before going in to watch this movie. Cause I know for a fact, if I haven't listened to anybody talk about this movie, I will not understand what what Stanley Kubrick was trying to do. But yeah, sometimes I, with those movies, you need that uh, extra guidance a little bit. There, yeah. Stanley Kubrick especially can make very dense, uh, packed with metaphors movies. Yes, abs- absolutely. I, I I I'm familiar with like Stanley Kubrick's work. I haven't watched every single movie, but I knew like on my to watch list was 2001: A Space Odyssey, and I was just waiting for that moment uh, that was going to be re released in theaters. Uh, and I and saw it had an intermission, right? Yeah, it had the intermission. Because some people um, were, like, I know some people who went to go see it and they were flipping out. They had no idea what to do during the intermission. Right. I, I knew what to do for a intermission because I went to go see uh, Hateful Eight in 70 millimeter. Oh, yeah, there and they had that, yeah. And so I, know how, I know how much of a fan you are with 70 millimeter and Hateful Eight art. And <laughs> I, I knew what to do for 2001 A Space Odyssey. I was like, sweet, I'm going to get up, get some snacks. Use the restroom or whatever. Because yeah. I went, because I just uh, got off of work, so I'm able to do my thing and come back. Uh, and I had like 10 minutes to spare, so it was nice. All long movies should have intermissions. I'm just, yes. I'm maintaining that. Yeah. Uh, but, um, but yeah, I, I, absolutely great movie. Um, but I, I, I just want people to know that I wasn't bored of the movie. I was, I was physically <laughs> tired. You were uh, just physically exhausted. Yeah. Yes. That I think that's excusable. Uh, <laughs> it, it's interesting, you know, looking at uh, 2001: A Space Odyssey. Now we're kind of removed from the year 2001. We're 50 years removed from, or yeah, it's 50 or 60. 50 from uh, 1968. Uh, I remember growing up and it was a big talking point how the film is such a interesting look at 
our present day or our near future. And uh, as we get further away from those years, I wonder if we're going to be able to appreciate just how forward looking that that production was and how how many ways in which they were be able to predict not just the, the future of technology, but the future of cinema. Uh, so I, I think hopefully that's something that people will remain aware of as we move further and further away from the year 2001 and the year 1968. Mm -hmm. As for what I've been watching, I finally got to catch up with Isle of Dogs, the latest Wes Anderson hey. movie on VOD. I'm a big Sweet. fan of Wes Anderson and a huge fan of Fantastic Mr. Fox, his previous uh, stop-motion effort. He has a particular eye for these parallel frames and these really interesting camera movements that just are joyful to watch. I don't know how else to really talk about it. There's just a fun picture book quality to all of his movies, I feel like. And I think it gets exponentially highlighted in a stop motion kind of claymation universe. Uh, even though I don't necessarily think the story was anything that blew me away, I'm not quoting lines or anything like that. It's just so delightful to fall into that that universe with him. It, it's a, it's unlike anybody else. He, he has somehow managed, even though there's all these Wes Anderson imitators out there, he's still really unique in his kind of quiet... Delivery, yeah. Yeah, the quiet delivery, the understated quality of his films. Mm. I just really, really appreciate uh, those movies and found Isle of Dogs to be really fun. Uh, it was nice to watch it a little bit removed from all of the controversy around it so I could just focus on the movie. Uh, and yeah, I didn't find too much of the appropriation stuff to be an issue for me. It wasn't really in my mind, at least. Uh, so yeah, I, that's probably the best thing I've been watching. I also watched Ready Player One. I've been meaning to catch oh. up with that. <laughs> I didn't really enjoy it. I don't know how either of no. you guys felt about it. Yeah, it, it kind of felt mm -mm. completely inconsequential the entire length through to me. I am a huge fan of video games, and uh, I was excited going into Ready Player One. I was like, how are they going to include, like, because uh, my brother's a huge fan of the book, and he was explaining to me all the different things that they cut out from the book to the movie. Right. And they had a, a whole sequence where they had um, uh, 2019 Los Angeles from Blade Runner in there, and how that's such a huge part of Ready Player One. And he's like, they, re they, they took that out entirely just so they can have, like, that race in there. And I was, oh. I was like, man, that's that's bad. It, it it wasn't good at all. And having just little, um, I mean, it's cool to see the video game characters such as like Tracer from Overwatch and Master Chief from Halo, but mm -hmm. it didn't really come together in, in its entire. It, it was just, it was just like a um, what's the word for it? It was just a huge Flash 80s in the tribute. Pan? <laughs> yeah, it was just a huge '80s tribute that had nothing to do with anything. Yeah, I mean, it, aside from the Easter eggs and the, you know, like you said, seeing Master Chief on screen and stuff like that, for me, I felt like, why am I not watching Scott Pilgrim right now? I, I'd be enjoying that a lot more. Yeah, uh, It's got a similar vibe, and it's trying to capture the video game uh, influence in, in movies, but it doesn't just have a very reductive story that's based on you enjoying the Easter eggs in it. I, mm -hmm. I enjoyed the Easter eggs, but I, I couldn't get into anything else really, so I, I was not a fan of Ready Player One. But let us know what you thought of all those movies and what you've been watching down in the comments below. We're gonna move on to yay or nay, where we talk about the latest happenings in the entertainment industry, starting with 
After a brief period in charge of Bond 25, it turns out that Train Spotting and Slumdog Millionaire director Danny Boyle will no longer direct the next Bond movie. His removal from the franchise was announced as coming due to creative differences, and subsequent, subsequent reports suggest that Boyle and current Bond Daniel Craig had a disagreement over who would play the villain in the upcoming film. Apparently, Danny Boyle was interested in Polish actor Tomasz Kot, Tomasz Kot, I believe his name is, and Daniel Craig wouldn't sign off. Art, start with you. Yay or nay, Daniel Craig and the Bond producers should have trusted in Danny Boyle's vision. I would say yeah, but uh, what was Danny's last movie? Did he he did Train Two, Train Spotting Two, right? I think that was yeah. his most recent one. Came back for it. Uh, I know I'm a big fan of Steve Jobs. Whenever that fell through with Fincher, then he had to pick up the scraps, and a lot of people thought, oh, it's just Fincher's broken vision. That's like one of the very few times where uh, I felt a director was able to come back and pick it up. You know, it wasn't very much like an Ant Man or. Uh, I don't know, a rogue It felt uh, like a solo. fully realized vision. Yeah, exactly. It felt like once his name came in, uh, Boyle came in and he did exactly what he was supposed to do. Uh, someone had mentioned a director who should come in and step in, and I, I, I'm blanking on who it was. We'll get to that in the next segment, but... <laughs> okay, yeah. So yeah, the Danny Boyle thing, I mean, for me at least, I feel like... It's a nay. It's a little, yeah, it's... I think you're not trusting the should, director. You should have trusted him. Yeah, especially it's so it seems so early in the process that it's strange that they came to this impasse so quickly, right? It's not like he his uh, involvement was announced a year ago. It was announced like maybe a couple months ago, if that. Uh, and you figure yeah, it was like that very recent. And you figure that he, he had one suggestion, the and they said you got to go. Yeah, right. You'd figure that the casting of the villain would be one of the first things you talk about. But again, it could be that like this was just the last straw. There was a lot of creative differences. Danny Boyle is a director who does come with his own particular style. So I wonder uh, how much that clashed with the Bond people. Uh, Ryan, did you have any thoughts? Um, I mean, I'm not a, a huge fan of the Bond series. I, I, I am familiar with all the Daniel Craig ones and a couple of Pierce Brosnan, Sean Connery. Like I know all the Bonds, yeah. but I'm just it, it's something like not for me necessarily. But I have been kind of somewhat following all the uh, Danny Boyle Bond um, issues and stuff. But as far as we're talking about a movie production standpoint, I really do think that um, the studio should trust a director's uh, vision. And and all that because they they know what's best for the movie and even right. though the, the the producer and stuff they're they're funding for it they should at times they should just be like you know what take the wheel we trust you if it doesn't work out then we're not gonna trust our directors or, right. or whatever but and it's um, not like they're trusting him blindly they're trusting the guy that they trusted to hire exactly to hi and it's Danny Boyle yeah and it's Danny exactly this is Danny Boyle we're talking this is like yeah. twenty eight days later some dog millionaire. Against Steve yeah, Jobs, not a first-time director. Yeah, he, he's, he's a veteran, so I I think that they should have trusted him more, considering it's it's a seasoned director. He knows what he's doing, and especially for a Bond movie to give his new twist on the whole series, I, that got me interested. I was like, sweet, Danny Boyle, right. that's cool. Um, I, I I was interested to see what he was gonna do, but now that's not gonna happen. So. <laughs> James Bond going through a toilet after shooting heroin. That's what he's gonna do. <laughs> 
Sticking with James Bond news, <laughs> the now directorless Bond 25 still has a release date set for October 2019, so the search <laughs> okay. is on for Danny Boyle's replacement. Among the shortlisted directors are Heller Highwater's David McKenzie, Big Little Lies's Jean-Marc Vallée, as well as white boy Rick director Jan Demange. However, an interesting name that surfaced in connection with Bond is McQuaid. Edgar Wright. Oh. Yep. Oh. The man behind Shaun of the Dead, as well as Baby Driver, Ryan, yay or nay, Edgar Wright would be a great choice for the Bond franchise. I feel like I'm going to be a minority on this, because I love Edgar Wright. I feel like he put out some good stuff, but I don't feel like he would put an appropriate twist on James Bond itself. Just yeah. because on he, he just has this very just upbeat style to, to all this yeah, yeah quirky i don't think it fits with bond right now especially mm -hmm. if they're going go the whole uh dark and Swab. cinematic uh, approach yeah. to it right um maybe not right now but maybe as time will tell maybe like a director such as edgar wright i don't know who it will be but maybe there'll be appropriate um director for the series but as of right now i don't think so i'm gonna say nay because we got kingsman on blu-ray and dvd so <laughs> That's that would be his version. I yeah, feel. I mean it, that's the thing is I I would be in favor of of a Edgar Wright Bond movie. I'm not so sure I'm in favor of a Daniel Craig Edgar Wright Bond movie, right? Mm -hmm. like, yeah. It just no. seems like the wrong era of Bond to match with Edgar Wright's style. Uh, at least from based on the films that we've seen of Edgar Wright, I, I think he's a really great filmmaker. I think he could do something really interesting with something like Bond, but I don't know if. But this now, Bond would limit him. Yeah, I, I don't know if Daniel Craig is the Bond for Edgar Wright to use. Mm -hmm. We'll see. Do any of those other names jump out to you? I know you mentioned uh, Christopher McQuarrie, who did yeah. the last two Mission Impossible movies. There have been some rumors about him as well. Yeah, I've heard of him. I would love to have a more action oriented director. Like, a, I think it's Gareth Evans, who did the Raid movies. Right, Someone right. who can, like, really bring it in to, to have a lot of choreography. Because I feel we've gotten the suave, we've gotten the goofy, uh, the crazy gadgets, we've gotten the dark and gritty cinematic one. Where's the action-packed one? Right. You know, sometimes they're nice and action-packed. Like, Skyfall had some of the fight sequences. But, look, to be completely honest, I'm, I'm not dissing the choreography. Choreography was great. But that was more the cinematography, if anything. I'm... I, I'm, I'm I would love to see what they would do with with Bond actually like being an action star, not relying on gadgets, relying on his fists. Yeah, uh, from that list, I kind of like the idea of Jan Demange. I, I talked about that on earlier podcasts back when uh, he was a rumor before they got Danny Boyle involved. Uh, but I've liked his work so far on films like uh, Seventy One. Oh, uh, okay. but yeah, nothing. No one's super standing out to me from that list, at least. The Russo brothers have been embedded in the Marvel Cinematic Universe since 2014's Captain America The Winter Soldier. However, the Infinity War directors may have figured out what their first non-Marvel gig in years will be. This produ their production company, Agbo, put a million dollar bid in for the rights to Nika Walker's book, Cherry, based on an Iraq War veteran with undiagnosed PTSD who turns to robbing banks in order to cope. The book has been described as Jesus' son meets Reservoir Dogs. Art, yay or nay, the Russo brothers' work on MCU movies has sold you on checking out their work outside of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Yeah, it's a definite yay. Uh, I'm always curious to see what uh, directors are able to do after they have such a big project. 
right? Because it's always it's been very interesting to see what they come up with, right? Right. Like we we always talk about the list. Your boy went and he did the Book of Henry after doing Jurassic World, huge movie. <laughs> uh, Joss Whedon went and he did that play drama thing in his own house after Avengers. Thing, yeah. Much to do about nothing. Exactly. Much to do about nothing. So I'm curious to see what he will do. Uh, uh, Peach Dragon goes and he gets Casey Affleck and puts him and he makes a ghost story. Right. So I'm curious to David see Lowry. if these guys are... Yeah, I don't want to call it a curse. Because it's not a curse. Yeah. I don't want to say the film's... I mean, a ghost Someone story did well. Book of, a ghost story did well and I think it's a good movie. Uh, Book of Henry is something else. But I'm curious to see if they have a hit. You know what I mean? Right, right. Like, this is a chance for the Russo brothers to work on a different level. Cause, exactly, because it's never, like, a big blockbuster and then another, like, really solid film. It's always, like, a big blockbuster and then a super, super, super under-the-radar indie. Like, they're trying to escape the spotlight for a bit. Right, right. Ryan, any thoughts? Uh, yeah, I agree I agree entirely because, um, yeah, the Russo brothers, I'm pretty sure at this point they're kind of tired of Marvel because after Infinity War Part 2, it's going to be their fourth Marvel movie. Right. And, um, That's wild. Yeah, yeah it's insane. And plus they with, get invested. And, e- and each one of them made over a billion dollars. I'm sure I'm sure Infinity War Part 2 is going to make over, like, two billion. So they're just making so much money. They're just like, all right, we need to use this money to go towards our, our passion projects, the stuff that we really want to do. As filmmakers as they are, they they want to work with actors, you know, like no green screen, actual set locations oh, and stuff. Dude, they they want to feel like they're right at home is what I'm trying yeah. to say. Yeah, so I think I, they're going to Nolan it. They're going to Nolan it? Yeah. Yeah. I, I feel, now I feel that like they get their another, blank that's, checks. That's another example of a guy who went franchise and then took it back and yep. used that to elevate his platform. And yeah, he, he's been producing some of the most interesting original blockbusters uh, mm-hmm. since his work with uh, Bat, the Batman franchise. So yeah. it'd be very interesting to see if the Rooster Brothers uh, did that. I, I would remind people that before they ever got involved in the MCU, they uh, directed the pilot Arrested for Arrested Development. Development. They did a lot of work on Community. They are very acclaimed as TV comedy directors, so they have other skills. And there's moments where I think that really shines through in their work in the MCU. So uh, I'd be very curious to see what else they're interested in doing, especially you know now that they're proven billion-dollar filmmakers, yep. like you yep. said, Ryan. Mm-hmm. Uh, they they are going to have a lot more backing and financial support for yeah. whatever project they choose to do next. And as far as like they're very character-centric. Yeah, as far as like mainstream audiences go, like when the the trailers like shown on the big screen or whatever, and they'll show like the directors from like they'll be able to so like the Russo brothers yeah. from Infinity War part one and two. <laughs> so once so you broke know your heart they, in Infinity War, yeah, we're gonna break your heart again in this little small right, indie. Right. <laughs> So I think it'll I think it will be pretty successful as far as like marketing wise, so I I think they'll do pretty well. Uh, this also reminded me Art that uh, one of our favorite A twenty four movies, Swiss Army Man, the Daniels, the directors behind that, their next movie is going to be made under the Russo Brothers production company. So uh, oh, Russo really? Brothers have some in- interesting work ahead of them. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, real recognizes real right there. <laughs> Uh, we talked about Paul Rudd playing dual roles for Netflix two weeks ago, but now we have a much more prestigious take on the dual roles coming from Natalie Portman. The Black Swan star will play 
two roles and direct herself in a film about real life twin sisters and dueling life advice columnists, Dear Abby and Ann Landers. The project will be Portman's second as a director and comes from a script by Katie Robbins, who was most recently a staff writer on The Affair. Uh, Ryan, yay or nay, Natalie Portman could direct herself to the Oscars with her dual role as feuding twins. Uh, I don't know too much about the project, but if Natalie Portman's directing, I'll love to see her show off her directing chops. So, absolutely, yay. Yeah. She's a great actress, so, I mean, she worked with directors, and why not? Let's give her a shot. Totally. Yeah, I mentioned when we brought this up a couple weeks ago that, like, when this goes right, you do get stuff like Nick Cage in Adaptation, which is a really great performance and got mm -hmm. nominated for an Oscar. Uh, and then uh, I think it was... Brown table countered with Jack and Jill. So yeah, yeah. yeah. But then uh, I said enemy. Then you get something enemy. like an enemy. Enemy, yeah, yeah. Uh, I think it might be an interesting challenge though to do this dual role and direct. That seems like a lot on one person's That's a shoulders. Lot of work, yeah. I'm sure she'll have good help around her too, and I'm, she seems like a very capable uh, filmmaker. Even though I haven't really seen uh, any of her worksheets. The way she talks about films seems very informed, so I'd be curious to check yeah, out the, that project. The way she talks at award shows. <laughs> I'm sure she wants to make it all the way. Yeah. All right, <laughs> so uh, we're going to get into the rough cuts and quickly go through a couple news stories. Netflix dropped this trailer for season two of American Vandal this week, revealing season Let's two's antagonist, go. the turd burglar, responsible for the horrific food poisoning on Chicken Finger Monday. Art, yay or nay, this is a good-looking number two. Uh, it is a good looking number two, 100%. I, see, I remember when I made my video for American Bando and I said, it's going to be an anthology series, and I hear rumors are it's going to be about the turd burglar. You're an idiot. Why would it be? What, what's it about? The turd, the turd burglar. burglar. Which is worse. So, like, what's worse to get into? Hey, check out the season. What's it about? Penises <laughs> being drawn on cars. Nah, that's crazy. Okay, okay, just watch season two. What's that about? Uh, people just Massive taking crap all over the place. Yeah, I mean, look, uh, there's a tweet I saw, I think Joe Reed said that American Vandal may be overestimating my interest in feces, which, like, yeah. that's my initial thought, is, like, I'm not 100% sold on this, but also, I, was n I wasn't 100% sold on the spray painting on the dicks on one, cars yeah. show. I'm, I'm willing to roll with these guys for now. I I'll be there Bro, I'm, I'm telling you right now, I swear, if they do, like, a corn joke, like, you know how the detail that was missing in the first season was, yeah. the, was the pubes? Ugh. It's like, <laughs> I don't know what they're going to get into. I'm for it. Ugh. Uh, I, it was also revealed that both American Vandal and the upcoming season of BoJack oh, Horseman Jack. are dropping the same day. Art, which one are you going to watch first? Bro, I am out of town. Like, I'm. that's tipped is at that time, I think. I have, uh, I don't know. I'm going to have to skip Roma and all of the tiff movies. Right. To, I'm watching American Bojack's Vandal first. Man. Bojack is important, but I, I, I don't know if this says that I'm going to watch them simultaneously. Yeah. <laughs> Crazy Rich Asians followed its successful opening weekend by staying atop the box office for a second straight week with a crazy low 5.7% drop in weekend That's box insane. office. News also came out this week that director John M. Chu will direct the sequel with the original film's writers on board to pen the sequel's script. Ryan, yay or nay, you want to spend more time with the Crazy Rich Asians. Yeah, well, why not? I mean, um, it, I'm pretty sure there's more problems to be had. Cause, are, are we going to talk like a little spoilers with Crazy Rich Asians or or, or none at all? Uh, I mean, I think if people oh, want to... Everyone's seen it? I think it only dropped 5%? Wanna, 
<laughs> yeah, right. If people want to not hear spoilers, they can check out the episode description down below and jump ahead a little bit, uh, get a, uh, past this news story, and they won't hear any spoilers. Spoilers. They're crazy, they're rich, and they're Asian. Right. Exactly. <laughs> and it's a romantic comedy. But, uh, you know, I'm not going to spoil it, but there, there's there's more to be told um, with this family, especially, like, the way that the film ends. So, um, it, it, this... this um, the film proves that rep- representation is a huge thing for for nowadays, and how you get like an all Asian cast. And people will show up. Yeah, people are going to show up. The, the, when I went to go see the movie, literally the whole entire audience were, was were Asian people. It was the Asian demographic. They loved it. Yeah, and they they loved it. They were laughing. They were crying. The the, the whole shebang. So I wouldn't yep, see. So I better not. see everyone watching Searching. <laughs> <laughs> we'll we'll see. That, that that one's a little bit under the radar too. It'll pop up on YouTube every now and then. Yeah. But uh, as far as like Crazy Rich Asians is concerned, yeah, why not? Let's have a sequel. I, I didn't mind the uh, the the original film. I there thought, are two more books in the series as well. Yep. Uh, yeah. China Rich Girlfriend and Rich People Problems. Yeah. So they get wild. I mean. Yeah. I mean, rom coms are like one of my guilty pleasures so yeah, it's like so when i went to go see it, i was like kind of excited i was like sweet i'm gonna have something sweet and a little bit romantic and you know just a good time overall and i got that with crazy rich asians so i'm excited to see what they do with the sequel yay the end of the fucking world isn't quite fucking done as Netflix <laughs> announced the British series will be returning for a season two art yay or nay netflix should have let this show fucking end <laughs> okay no lube in that introduction right there. Okay, uh, I personally would say yes because I, I believe the comics, the, the comic series ended it like that. And every time they try to extend something, it gets a little bit iffy. Every time I've seen a Netflix series take an original property and try to extend it even more, it also gets a little bit iffy. Uh, but we'll see. I know this is a it's a it's a thing with the BBC, right? If yeah. I'm not mistaken, or the Channel BBC. Four or whatever it is. Co-production. Yeah. <laughs> Shut up. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, Channel Four over there in the UK. So. Shut up. Uh, I mean, I like the first season. Yeah, I mean, I like the first season as well. When we talked about it, we ho- said that we hoped that there wouldn't do a second season because it felt like a yeah. perfectly confined little story. Yep. The fact that they are getting all the all the original creative team back it is, I guess, a good sign. So I would watch the second season. I just, I something should should be sh- shorter. Something should be miniseries. I don't know. Yep. Agreed. And then finally, the James James Gunn Guardian saga may have reached an impasse. Last time we discussed this, we were optimistic about Gunn returning to the films, but since then, Disney has essentially reconfirmed that Gunn will will not be rehired. Members of the production bristled at this, most notably Dave Bautista, who openly mocked Disney on Twitter. (laughs) And now crew members who are being assembled for pre-production are being let out of their contracts while Guardians of the Galaxy 3 is put on hold. Ryan, yay or nay, whenever we get Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3, it'll feel like a radically different franchise. You know, this is like one of those uh, moments where like you, you would... You make a decision, right, and then it, you see the consequences like start to start to happen, and you know a bunch of people are coming up to you and saying, "Hey, I th- we we you think we think you made the wrong decision." Right. There's there's a moment, and no one's gonna uh, be upset at you for this. They'll just you take a step back, and you're like, you know what, I made the wrong decision. I'm sorry. Let's <laughs> let me let's, be the bigger man. Let's let's be the bigger person. The mouse ain't gonna do that. Let's let's just do, yeah. That's that's what Disney's not gonna do, unfortunately. <laughs> Uh, a huge nay, because um, you know uh, I, I've seen people all over social media say how like 
Guardians is I, I mean, I'm a huge fan of the first one and this the second Guardians I'm not a huge fan of but I can see why people have it's such a huge impact on their lives on how it's so personal to James Gunn right and have it done by somebody else for volume His 3 and soul was in the third script just leak it someone has to leak it I hear that they're actually going to use his script, though. Oh, that's... Which is going to be even weirder. I don't know. It's, it's yeah. strange to me. And um, especially for the... Not not just, like, a couple people here. The entire cast is coming out and saying that, D- bring our boy back. Like, the whole point of these movies is about redemption and uh, Him, yeah. becoming Yo, better can people. Can you imagine if, like, the script, like, for the third one has, like, some crazy story arc where one of them gets accused of something and, like, Star-Lord gets kicked out of the group and they, like, have to bring him back. Wouldn't that be the wildest thing in the world? Do you know what's funny, though? Is uh, in the actual Guardians of the Galaxy comics, there's so many different team members that come in. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, yeah. E- even Star-Lord so, leaves. At, at, at yeah, so if Bautista doesn't want to be in it, technically he can be in the third one. He'll just be invisible the whole time. Yeah, I mean, he wasn't in Infinity. He wasn't in Infinity War. He wasn't in Infinity War. He was, he was, so, he was so, so invisible. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, I, I, I want to see James Gunn back. I mean, just just let the man finish his trilogy and then send him on his merry way. Let him ride into the sunset, and people will be happy. But um, Disney's not going to own up to their mistakes, yeah. unfortunately. So uh, huge nay for me. Yeah. All right, that about does it for yay or nay. Let us know what you thought about all this week's news stories in the comments down below. We're going to move on to our topic of the week. And this week's topic is Ethan Hawke, who ruffled fanboy feathers with new comments in an interview with the film stage about his film Blaze. Hawk said, now we have the problem that they tell us Logan is a great movie. Well, it's a great superhero movie. It involves people in tights with metal coming out of their hands. It's not Brisson, it's not Bergman, but they talk about it like it is. I went to see Logan because everybody was like, this is a great movie. And I was like, really? No, this is a fine superhero movie. There's a difference, but big business doesn't think there's a difference. Big business wants you to think that this is a great film because they want to make money off of it. Which leads us to our first question in topic of the week. Ryan, get us started. Do superhero films receive too much praise? Do they get overhyped? Uh, yes, uh, I'm going to be completely honest. But that doesn't take away the fact that I like a lot of superhero movies out there. Like, it's, it's, Don't get me wrong. I loved Infinity War. It's actually on my top five of the year. I loved it so much. But it it is a little overpraised. Just uh, how people talk about it, how they're saying it's like one of the greatest films to come out in like the past century. It's not. There's just more people who like it. Yeah, exactly. It just has popularity to it. Right, right. And uh, and, um, I I always hearken back to like people's like tastes of movies and stuff like that because essentially there's really no like good or bad taste. It's just like what the person likes. Yeah. Um, what they relate to. Yeah, exactly. Um, I I I see it as like Ethan Hawke just just isn't it. It's kind of tired of superhero movies, and I get that because there, there is a lot of them coming out. Um, but. I don't know why people are getting upset over it because he's just giving his opinion. He's just like, yeah, right. superhero movies, they're, they're a little overpraised. So what? Well, I guess it's because he was dismissing it. He's like, this isn't, this should not be considered art. As is like, it's not as good as my movie that's coming out right now. And I know it sounds a little salty because no one's watching Blaze because it's not in enough theaters. I saw Blaze. Right. Maybe that was a marketing Blaze is about a guy who ate so a Jews. So people can actually and, go watch that and, and 
and at the end they still watched it. All oh, publicity is good publicity. so he's a genius. It, yeah. In the, yeah. It's all a part of his plan. <laughs> well, you well, liked Blaze, right, Art? Because what was it? The whole I God. Blaze. Blaze was an okay movie. The Gotti effect, man. <laughs> oh, the Gotti effect. Yeah. He wants audiences love Blaze. <laughs> audiences love Blaze. Yeah, but uh, I think he does bring up an interesting point because we are at this period uh, with the Oscars where we have this discussion of the best popular film category. I believe this is at least partially what Ethan Hawke was responding to uh, when he gave this answer. There's this increased desire to see the superhero movies included in the same category as prestige movies. And to me, I just don't understand the, the desire to see that. I, I don't understand why you have to say my art is the same as this art they can't just be different things they th I, I I'm not someone who's ever really been a big champion of the superhero movie film so maybe my opinion is a little bit uh, discounted but I feel like if you're going into a superhero movie you're going in usually for a different set of reasons than you are when you go into a, a more typical drama, more Oscar-y, for lack of a better word, mm -hmm. movie. Yes, absolutely. Like, I go into uh, to Avengers so I can see Iron Man kick Thanos' ass. Uh, that, that, that's why I want to go see it. If I wanted to go right. see If Bill Street Could Talk from Barry Jenkins, <laughs> then I want to see some good acting, some actually uh, good filmmaking. Message that. So, I mean... Someone would just keep going. I totally well, get where you come from. This also doesn't mean that, you know, superhero movies can't be good i i mean you know he is singling out logan which did uh it did end up uh getting the oscar nomination for best screenplay uh mm -hmm. but you know beyond that there aren't a lot of movies and superhero movies that have been in the in the discussion for uh awards or stuff like that so it's a little bit odd uh i don't know i there's this is weird really pressure to kind of push huh? these movies together when I think they're just separate things. Mm -hmm. yeah. uh, I, I think the Academy does right like here? a really good job with in, in, you know, bringing these superhero movies into like this prestigious art uh, uh, film categories and stuff like that. Like when they include them in like special effects, they include them in like uh, sound, sound design awards right, right. and yeah. even, even production design. Uh, I, I would argue that some of these superhero movies uh, should be a part of because example like the original Guardians of the Galaxy like a, a lot of it like, there was a lot of green screen don't get me wrong but there was some <laughs> yeah. actually sets built to it there's a lot of imagination put to it and that's why yeah, it has a it has a very distinctive visual style that made it stand out amongst all these different superhero movies absolutely and I not I, just super all movies yeah and uh, they they with that vision that with that sort of vision with how your film should look I believe there's an art to that and that's how I feel some of these superhero movies should be uh, up for, like, some of these certain categories. But as far as, like, you know, like, best uh, um, best actor, best uh, supporting actor, all those categories, like, maybe they'll, like, be for, like, the dramas and stuff like that. But as far as, like, all the technical stuff, definitely, like, the superheroes need to be a part of that. Art, do you think more yeah. superhero movies should be in the discussion for awards, even if it, if it, isn't, even if it isn't necessarily the big awards? Uh, only if the story calls for it. That, that's literally all it comes down to. I can think about a, a bunch of pretentious movies that get nominated for stuff. You know what I mean? Yeah. Mm -hmm. 
It's like, how many times do we get a movie that gets nominated and it's just like, wait, this isn't art, this is politics. They played the game and they talked about what they knew the Academy, Academy voters wanted. You know what I mean? Movies are all supposed to be about what can evoke an emotion. That is art. Right. To me, that is the defi- definition of art. Can it evoke an emotion from you? Right? So, if a superhero movie is able to do that in all the senses, not just one, right? Like, not just the adrenaline that comes in a superhero right. movie, the same way that a, a drama doesn't just make you cry, but yeah, perhaps it, make it makes you, feel, you think. It, it make makes you think. Exactly. So, when you come to a movie like Logan, when it accompanies all of it, it's so weird to hear that. Right? Like, like it's James Mangold. What else has he done? Uh, he's done good films. Was he the Walking That's what I'm saying. guy? So, he did yes. the other Wolverine. So, but, but let's talk about that. He did Walk the Line. Same director. Got Oscar Same vision, same style. But the moment he does a superhero movie, even though it's his... He's, he didn't leave the talents at the door. He's bringing his, his skills with him. Yeah. What changes? You're just not going to like it just because it's a different genre? Right. It, yeah, I mean, I think some of the issue that people are having is his targeting of Logan, which a lot of people hold up as the most artistic or the most uh, ambitious in terms of the story it's trying to tell among among the superhero <laughs> movies. But I think his point is t- almost a little bit different here because he's talking about Bergman, he's talking about Brisson, he's not talking about uh, Scorsese, right? You know, he's talking about real art house, real, like, I mean... You know, you could call it pretentious, but it's very artistically driven and not financially driven cinema. Uh, stuff that that's not necessarily going to be marketable. And these superhero movies are intensely marketable. Uh, and what one thing that's interesting about his quotes is his his discussion of big business. He says, "Big business wants you to think that this is a great film because they want to make money off of it." That's something that I find interesting. It, I feel like he's almost trying to say. You know, superhero movies have all this space, and Oscar movies or arty, arty movies have this small space, and now superhero movies are trying to take over that other space of okay. where good art is. Okay. But they're not, though. Nobody who's, who's, who's watching uh, Bergman movies at, like, <laughs> not, you know what I mean? On a yeah. Saturday morning yeah. is watching that type of stuff. They're, they're not the ones going, oh, man. Superhero movies are taking over the space. They're just not. I don't think so. Yeah, and I mean that's the thing. Is like, how is it? Is that actually being communicated to audiences, or is that just something that big companies are using for marketing? You know, we all see those movies, uh, those movie trailers where they say nominated for this many awards, but it does that necessarily get you to think a movie you thought was bad is suddenly good? Uh, I'm not so sure. And yeah, like you said, I don't think the people who are normally watching Bergman films are going to get duped by that kind of advertising. Yeah, by the advertising. Logan. Exactly. I think it's just different markets. I'm kind of curious because you you half agree with him, right? I think of he's making he's, an interesting point because of categorizing you know, art. Sorry, what was that? Say that one more time. Of categorizing art, like when what something I, is I more agree, art house. I think what I agree with is. It talks. It's similar to the point we had when we were talking about the best popular film Oscar, in that popular films already have the, where they succeed. They succeed in people's choice. They succeed MTV movies. They succeed yeah. in the box. That office. I agree. Uh, I agree. That's their reward. 
Yeah. It's like the pretty girl at school being super miss popular, but then at the same time she wants to cheat and also like get the <laughs> become valedictorian. Right, right. Exactly. Like just because the, she's the pretty girl at school doesn't mean we uh, she should get that award for being smart too, you know. Exactly. Just people if she's give not. It to her or something. If she's exactly. not if she's not. Uh, so yeah, and I think it's just that that there is so a limited amount of time that we even discuss movies like Blaze. You know, I think Ethan Hawke is responding a little bit to the frustrations of a filmmaker trying to get his movie out there in a marketplace that yeah. does not respond much to things that aren't superhero yeah. driven. That uh, I get with. Yeah, and and like it's if if the discussion of the Oscars, if the discussion of film festival awards, stuff like that, is going to start centering around superhero movies, that makes it oh, okay, even yeah, then less it, then it's taking away even more for movies like Blaze. Yeah, it's like when Tarantino got super pissed off because he wanted a big screen for Hateful Eight, and what happened? Oh, Force Awakens Disney came. He was in. like, yeah. yeah, Force Awakens came out, and they're like, no, you don't even get anything. Yeah. And then he was just like, what? I can't. Whoa, I can't even get one screen. That's how he's feeling right now. Blaze can't get one screen. It's not playing anywhere, like... Nowhere near me. I mean, in New York, exactly. I guess. But. And you're in New York. Yeah. yeah. I'll probably have to drive so, all the way down to the arc light in Hollywood just so I can catch a screen. If they that. even have it, yeah. Just so you can catch a screening of the trailer. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no. So, I kind of get that, yeah. So, some interesting thoughts on the state of good cinema and where superhero movies rank within that. Uh, for now, we're going to move on to our final segment of the week, The New to See, where we break down what's new in theaters to streaming and on VOD, starting with August 31st, Searching Expands, Operation Finale Expands, The Little Stranger Opens, and Destination Wedding Opens. Uh, searching is definitely the one that I think you got to search out for. Most excited about, yeah, you got to keep it, keep an eye out for it, search out for it. Uh, let us know what you think about searching. We'll probably get into it a little bit more in detail on next week's show. Oh, oh, I know Art oh, would oh, like oh, to. oh. Let me, yeah, let me give him a little uh, future spoilie. Uh, we're gonna have one of the producers on the intercut very, Ooh. very soon. I I've already oh. locked that de deal in, so don't don't you worry. When I say searching is a good movie, I mean like I, we don't do interviews here on the intercut, like with filmmakers and stuff like that, unless we really like their stuff, unless we really want to get some out of them. I, I messaged that man because I had an interview with him earlier, which that uh, the intercut interview with them is already coming up. I should already have one recorded. <laughs> I we, I already have one recorded that's gonna go up on the intercut, but I have a follow up. Yeah after the release, a one-on-one -on -one with one of the producers who also did Fruitvale Station, so Dang. you have to watch Searching because we're going to cover it even more on the intercut. <laughs> there we go, yeah, so keep an eye out for Searching. Make sure you watch it before next week's show. Uh, new to streaming, it's almost September, which means it's almost time for a whole new batch of streaming options on Netflix, September 1st. Bruce Almighty, Groundhog Day, King Kong, Nacho Libre, Pearl Harbor, Scarface, Spider-Man 3, and Unforgiven, as well as more. On September 2nd, The Emperor's New Groove, Lilo and Stitch, and Quantico Season 3. And then on September 4th, Black Panther. You can finally catch up. If you haven't seen it yet, uh, it will be available on Netflix. For two so. weeks, and then Disney gets their service. <laughs> HBO Now, September 1st. Bring It On, Diary of a Wimpy Kid, Funny People, Goodfellas, The Mummy, <laughs> The Mummy Returns, Scorpion King, Sherlock Holmes, Shrek 2, Step Up, and more. Then on September 2nd, 2017's The Mummy of uh, Tom Cruise screaming into the void vein. Ugh. 
Amazon on September 1st, Chinatown, Ghostbusters 1 and 2, Hustle and Flow, Jerry Maguire, Over the Top, Sleepless in Seattle, There Will Be Blood and More. Then on Hulu, September 1st, Adaptation, which we mentioned earlier in the show, Any Given Sunday, City of God, one of my favorite foreign films, Field of Dreams, The Fly, Rushmore, a great Wes Anderson movie, probably a good place to start if you're not familiar with his work, Sixteen Candles, and Unbreakable, for those of you trying to catch up on M. Night Shyamalan stuff, before Mr. Yeah. Glass comes out later this year, nice. on Hulu September 2nd, The English Patient, and also on Hulu September 3rd, Flower, uh, which I kind of hey. enjoyed with Zoe Dutch last year. Uh-huh. New to VOD on August 28th, Upgrade, Tag, Book Club, American Animals, Brand New Old Love, RBG, and Western... Then on August 31st, Reprisal, Blood Fest, and Boarding School. That is what's new to see. A lot of options out there. But Art, what is your pick of the week? And please uh, don't make it a road. Oh, you already know. The new to see, yeah. New to see is the East 24. No, searching. I've been saying it. I think I've recommended it three weeks straight. It went limited this past week. It's finally out completely. Watch searching. It is finally here. I, I, I mentioned it since way back in Sundance. I, I loved it. But I was like, ah, I got, got to give it a, a little bit of time. Yeah, Watch it again in May. Your favorite movie of the year for like a of solid the year seven so far. Now. Right? I've been saying this. Now, for those of you who agreed with me on Brigsby, uh, definitely check this one out. You know, I've seen it multiple times. I see its little flaws here and there, but it, it's, it still holds up. Uh, for VOD at home, get out of your house. Go see Searching as well. Because, <laughs> like I said, we're going to be covering it more here on the Intercut. But, uh, dude, I love the movie. And, and I wish more people were going into it um, without knowing things. Like, I want to cover it, but I also don't want to say anything. Because you and I both know that feeling of going into a movie just fresh. Yeah. And this is a movie where not knowing anything is, is the best way to go in. But even the trailers for this, whatever marketing company they got, they're doing this little gimmick thing, and I don't, I don't like it. Oh, no. They're getting the word out there, but I don't like it. Like like uh, Ryan said, they pop out with the little YouTube ads here and there, but they're just... Let me, let me do the... Yeah, let me do the advertising, all right? Yeah. Let me do the advertising. <laughs> <laughs> all right, Art's pick is searching again. Uh, again, make sure you're uh, caught up on searching for next week's show. Ryan, what are you recommending the people check out? Uh, as far as like uh, theaters is concerned, uh, definitely probably give 2001 A Space Odyssey a chance. Go see it in IMAX. See like the whole hype behind why it's considered one of the greatest films of all time. Might not get another chance to do this very soon. Exactly. So, yeah. it, 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 only once in a lifetime when this movie turns 50 years old. So <laughs> why not check it out? Uh, Absolutely. P- possibly false. I don't know. <laughs> but make sure you, make sure if you do go see it, rest don't up. Rest up. Uh, dr- drink a couple <laughs> of espressos, and then you'll be you'll be good to go. But as far as uh, streaming is concerned, I did check out uh, to all the boys I've loved before. Um, oh, cool. I thought I thought it was okay. I thought it was all right. I was I wasn't on yeah. the hype train as everybody else was, but it, it was a fairly decent uh, rom com, and. Um, I believe that it's definitely worth like an hour and a half of your time. Susan Johnson definitely mm-hmm. deserves uh, that time from you. Uh, I mean, why not? Check it out. I, I think it's cool. Yeah. Some of you may love it. Some of you may not. But, you know, that's that's the whole uh, joy of watching movies. Yeah, I mean, you were talking earlier about uh, rom-coms being kind of a 
fun guilty pleasure and I think yeah. uh, to all the boys I've ever loved definitely would fall into that category it's a really sweet movie yeah I, I think it, there's just like a, a warm heart to it and you kind of forgive some of the movie's weird logic and mm-hmm. and, and strange yeah. perf- like maybe not perfect moments f- for just that warmth and that heart and it's kind of a fairly fresh take on romantic comedies you know mm. it's not the very it's not the same as always typical two people who you know meet and don't like each other and then fall in love there's more to it than that yeah exactly uh but yeah check out to the, all the boys i love before sweet definitely uh, my pick for the week is another movie that I was able to check out on VOD. It's Tully, the latest movie from Jason Reitman starring Charlize Theron and written by Diablo Cody, the same team that worked on Young Adult and the same writer-director team that worked on Juno. Uh, this movie stars Charlize Theron as a new mom to her third child and completely overwhelmed with motherhood, the getting up at strange hours of the night to feed the baby, the taking care of your kids who don't help out because they're too young to. She's got a son who looks like, who seems like he's on the spectrum. So that adds to the complications in her life and everything changes when she calls a night maid uh, or a night nanny named Tully. To Someone who her. you really like. Yeah, someone I love, Mackenzie <laughs> Davis, who is absolutely delightful in this movie, by the way, and made me want to have a night nanny. Or maybe I just want to have Mackenzie Davis in my house. Yeah. Uh, but, <laughs> you know, I think there's a refreshing uh, perspective in this movie. The I love the ending. It, it's a really interesting... Pers- it's a really interesting look at motherhood and how it can be overwhelming and how... It's, you know, I think there's a sense that parents have where they want to apologize sometimes for their kids. And this is a movie that's really saying, no, it's okay. It's okay to be a bit of a mess. It's okay to not know what you're doing. It's okay to make mistakes. Mm -hmm. And like Art said, it's got a really good ending, uh, a bit unexpected. Uh, And I think you've seen, you maybe have seen some other endings like it, but you haven't necessarily seen it done in this way before. Yeah, deliver the way this one does. Yeah, I, I thought it was a really great gut punch at the end. Uh, I was a big fan of Tully. It's definitely a return to form for Jason Reitman, so I would highly check it out. Recommend you check that out on VOD. But that's all for this week's show. Ryan, let the people know where can people find more from you. Awesome. Uh, again, my name's Ryan uh, from Ryan Jacob, so you can search up on the YouTube search bar, Ryan Jacob. And uh, the, one of the first things you'll see is a pixel-headed guy, and that's me. There's another <laughs> Ryan Jacob who talks about fitness and stuff. That's not me. I don't talk about fitness. I talk about movies Search and stuff. Search Ryan Jacob without six-pack. Exactly. There, there's like a really <laughs> beautiful beautiful figure right there. I was like, that's not me. But yeah. I'm the pixel-headed guy. So uh, check, out, check out my channel. I just uh, put out a short film I made about a couple months ago called Two Graves. Awesome. Uh, go watch watch that i put a lot of work into that uh yeah and i do a very interesting chase scene that made my body entirely <laughs> sore for two weeks straight so uh yeah please check that out and uh again zach thank you zach and art thank you so much for having me on here it's such an honor most death bro of course man it was a lot of fun having you on we're <laughs> happy to make sure you check out that film ryan risked life and limb to, to yep. make it uh 
for me, you can catch more from me by following me on Twitter at ZShevich or on Instagram at ZShevich and check out my YouTube channel, youtube.com slash multiplex show. Also, uh, follow me on Letterboxd if you haven't. I've been writing a couple of short reviews over there. Also, ZShevich over there. It's good a good app. place to see what I've been watching. I know Art sometimes updates that, although maybe a little bit less uh, from his road yeah. trip. Art, where can people Boy, find less. more from you? Well, you can find me on the East 24 heading to Florida, <laughs> uh, then going up to Toronto. Uh, but you can also just follow everything, this whole road trip and all the videos over at the A to Z show on Twitter, on Facebook, on YouTube. Getting copyright strikes over there, so a whole other <laughs> discussion to have. Uh, yeah, dude, no, like I made a video on it, and then that thing, it's still, they said, nope, it's staying. So uh, that's the thing that's going on. But nonetheless, hey, we're still making stuff. We're making yeah. stuff on the road, we're making stuff everywhere for you guys. So, uh, of course, you can find me on the ADZ show on all those different sites right there, but you can also find me on the Intercut. Yes, you can listen to every episode of the Intercut podcast on iTunes, on SoundCloud, or your favorite podcatcher. I like Overcast. And then make sure you're subscribed, not just to the audio podcast but to the video feed as well on intercut or on youtube.com slash intercut pod. Uh, you can also watch our, oh, excuse me, where you can watch our bright smiling faces as we run through the latest in entertainment, find new episodes of intercut every Thursday and also like our Facebook, like our Instagram, like our Twitter, follow it, whatever you need to do. Uh, for updates from all of us throughout the week. They're all available at Intercut Pod, and it's a great place to catch up on stuff I'm doing, stuff Art's doing, stuff that our guests are doing. We like to like retweet Jacob. and repost through there. So yeah, if you need to see some Ryan Jacob. The movie Jacob Ryan Jacob and the workout Ryan Jacob. Yeah. Why not? <laughs> go, go, go subscribe to him and tell him we sent you. Check out some of his stuff too, because it's some very useful stuff. <laughs> <laughs> no movies on, on right. there, unfortunately. <laughs> Yeah, unfortunately. <laughs> but uh, that's all for this week's show. Thanks again for tuning in, and until next time, Art, did you make it to Florida yet? Not yet. <laughs> I think I'm barely in Georgia. <laughs>